Hey, y'all. Welcome to the the last of our Ephesians podcasts called Talk Back at the Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church. You've got your pastors here to share with you thoughts on the final chapter, chapter six. And I'm going to kick us off. Um, this is another part like last week that we shared is part of the household code and has been uh, used in hurtful, harmful ways, um, unfortunately, throughout a lot of history. And so I just um, actually to start us off because it's uh, it talks about children obeying parents. It says then it says slaves. Oh, this is verse five. Obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling and singleness of heart as you obey Christ. We cannot forget that all of these come under what Paul would have what we believe that was one of Paul's primary uh, beliefs was mutual submission, this idea of mutual submission. So the slaves did not submit just so that the masters could lord it over them or children so that the parents could be abusive. But this idea of mutual submission, which by the way, means that there was abuse going on within families that that he had witnessed or abuse going on with masters and slaves. But here, I want to read y'all something from Rachel Held Evans, who is a, um, she is now, unfortunately, she has passed away. Um, but this is this is what she says about this specific passage. She says, relying on the letters of Peter and Paul is problematic because in nearly every case, the admonition for wives to submit to their husbands is either preceded or followed by the admonition for slaves to obey their masters. In fact, phrases like likewise or in the same way are used to link the two. So to say that the hierarchical structures presented in these passages are divinely instituted and inherently holy raises some troubling questions about God's view of slavery. What if it isn't the structure that is sacred, but the attitude? What if submission can both inhabit and transcend culturally constructed hierarchical categories. After all, didn't Paul instruct Christians to submit to one another? So I just want y'all to hold that loosely, heavily, however it sits with you. I think the challenge there is humility. And I think that one of the, the gifts of the Presbyterian tradition and the Reformed faith as we believe that um, the word of God speaks to different people in different times in different ways. And this is an example of it was a very different word in the first century than it would be today. And so we cannot just focus on what it's saying for households, for men and women, and then say, oh, but we, we don't, we're not in that for, for slaves and masters. Um, so we have to realize that the whole, the, Point that we are pulling out of that is the Ephesians 4.21 for mutual submission. We could have a lot more talk just on that, but um, we're going to turn it to over to uh, the next section. And I do want to encourage you, if you would like to have more discussion on the household code, to reach out to one of your pastors. We would love to listen. And so I'll, I'm going to turn it over to Stephen because he's going to tell us about some of his childhood with uh, this next section with the armor of God. 
You mean that talent show I told you about where I wore the armor of God and uh, someone played, I don't know if you remember this musician, Carmen. Carmen in the 90s had some very dark spiritual music that was Christian music, um, but it was all about spiritual warfare. And so I, I remember very proudly putting on my armor of God that we bought from the Christian bookstore and wearing it and just kind of like fighting the devil. Um, I don't remember who it was. So hopefully they've recovered from that role in their life. Um, but there is so much to what Paul is saying here uh, in this armor of God section. Hopefully you've heard, uh, you know, these pieces before uh, he's starting in verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Now, Paul could have ended right there and we, our imaginations could have run wild, but he got really, really specific and um, there's something really beautiful about these um, aspects of God's strength that we are to put on. Um, but what does that look like? What does that mean? Uh, how powerful are we supposed to be? It raises some questions. Um, and I think it also raises questions about spiritual warfare today. And, you know, that's a that's a hard thing to talk about, um, believing in angels and demons who are at war in this dimension. There's a lot, there's a lot there. Um, but I know Stacy and Kevin have some help on that. I think Kevin actually had a really interesting story about a armor of God as well from, from his past. Well, my, my brother had the pleasure of working on the Bible man television show that came out in the eighties. It was produced by Willie Ames, who was, uh, came to fame as the uh, second eldest son on Eight is Enough, Tommy. But they had this whole scene, and I remember very vividly him working on the follow, follow, uh, follow sounds of the, just the, um, you know, the army coming on and, and Bible man put on the breastplate of Christ and, you know, the, the, all the different pieces of Batman's armor as he was, you know, as Paul was describing this armor of God and, you know, cha-chong, cha-chong, cha-chong. So it was very dramatic. Um, but Stephen, I agree with you. I mean, the, the thing that strikes me, you know, there, it's always fun to, to dress up and play and, and think about that. But then it, it kind of obscures this deeper issue, right? Of what is this spiritual warfare? You know, what, what, what are these, uh, you know, evil things? I mean, we can all look at the world and we can see, uh, bad things that happen. Um, I think if you take your theological thought seriously, it can be kind of troubling to think that if there is an almighty, all-powerful God who is benevolent to us and gracious and good, well, what are these evil powers doing and why are we, you know, having to defend ourselves? So I, I think that the the metaphor maybe opens us into this question, invites us into this question. But I'll be honest with you, this is a question that I feel rather ill-equipped to answer and hoping maybe some of you all can maybe put that, you know, some insight into that, what that looks like. You know, it's interesting. Um, it, it, when you when you take this, you know, putting on the armor of, of Christ, it, the, the idea of spiritual warfare you know, is, is so interesting and it's so catchy and people really want to talk about that. I think if you've read the entire book of Ephesians, though, the warfare, 
that this like armor is needed for is much less catchy and much, much less flashy, much less cosmic. Okay. It's about how you're going to treat your kids. How are you going to treat the people in your house, your spouse? How are you going to speak? You know, what are those words coming out of your mouth going to be like? Um, how are you going to be wise in the moment when you get an opportunity to be foolish? You know, I mean, this armor and this warfare, um, if you read the whole book, is a lot more about how we're going to treat each other, how, you know, how we're going to fight that that kind of ego that we all have, how we're going to fight that that kind of desire to be on top and to be in power and to be important. Um, so it doesn't really resolve your questions, uh, at which we, we all have about spiritual warfare. And he, he does talk about there's a lot of evil around and the times are evil. But we could say the same thing about the world we're living in. Um, but what is in this 10th verse, be strengthened by the Lord on his powerful strength. What's that strength? You know, that strength is really going back to the fourth chapter, the very beginning, to live that life worthy of our calling. That strength is strength enough to get up in the morning. And I know this sounds, I know it doesn't sound very profound, but to do the right godly thing, step by step, day by day. And that's my idea of spiritual warfare, frankly. Um, That's enough. That's enough um, to, you know, to need the armor of Christ. You know, so many of the words that are used in this, in this section are in chapter one. Um, I mean, he says things like, um, according to the working of his great power, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, I mean, and then back at the beginning, it's talking about the spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Um, and you see that in chapter six, when he says the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Yeah, I think he's bookmarking it. I think he's bookending it and saying, um, remember, you've got you've actually got the tools to live life in this new way. Um, and not you're not this isn't for you to live better as a Christian yourself in your house, you know, or and by yourself. Like it's how you are in relationship to other people in your house, in your church community, in your larger community. How are y'all? Uh, living into the spirit. And then he finishes with that, you know, 18 and pray in the spirit at all times in every prayer and supplication. Um, It's this, it's this idea of this continual relationship and work um, that we're to do as, as Christians. And, you know, it, it was so interesting. I was thinking today about the great commission and how it says, um, you know, go into the world to Judea, Samaria, and all, all the world. And it didn't say, and make a camp. Have everybody come to you. 
<laughs> it's this idea of constantly looking outward. And, and like Jesus didn't ever set up and say, okay, I'm just waiting. Y'all come listen to me. <laughs> he went out. And so I think that this is the way that Jesus lived in such a movement and going out into different towns and meeting different people um, is the same thing that we need to do in our own lives is that it's a moving faith. It's a searching faith. It's a um, learning faith. That's a great point because the, the, when, when uh, Paul says to be imitators of Christ, the verb there is ongoing. It's a, it's a continual process. It's not like we just arrive and there we are, but it is a continual process of being transformed by the spirit into the, you know, to, to actually resemble God in the world. I mean, that's what he's calling the church to do is to, to be God in the world as the body of Christ. And, you know, Stacy, when you were uh, talking about the little things, the mundane things, it made me wonder, you know, there's that old adage, hurt people, hurt people. You know, I wonder how much of the big things in the world really have grown out of very small little things that wounded people very early on and then grew. And I think that that is why Paul is telling us that we need to take care of those little things because those things can grow into some of the evils that we see in the world around us. Really appreciate Stacy locating it to the beginning and, and talking about how we treat our children, and our spouse, because I had this moment in college at the top of a mountain after a long hike, like, what am I going to do with my life? And it, it hit me. If we can change the home, we can change the world because everybody walks out of a house every morning, either happy, sad, whatever they're carrying. And I know my morning's harder if I start with a fight in my home. And I know I'm different in pastoral calls or anything um that the relationships that are closest to us if we can be faithful there maybe we can be faithful beyond that and paul does talk about that um that the, the challenge of the difficulty it is um I'm reminded I was I went to Home Depot over the weekend. I was there as soon as they were open so I could be back uh quickly to to help with the kids and we were walking out and there was somebody collecting money for a nonprofit and the guy in front of me he uh he says, "Oh no, thanks. I've already done all my good for the day." And it it was like oh, 1001, 1002. <laughs> um and it, it stuck with me because I'm like, wow, you know, the, we have a whole day where we're we're doing our best to follow the light of Christ. Um, for the Christian, the call is so beyond a simple duty. It's everything. It's all of us. It's all the time. Um, so I appreciate that that insight, Stacy, and um, the tensions in this passage are are very real. I hope that that y'all that are listening realize that we don't have figured out and we're just trying to lean in and talk about it. And so hopefully this has spurred you to think about this specific text in different ways, but also to talk about it with other people and, and be okay in the tension. We don't have to have it figured out. So thank y'all for, for tuning in. And um, during, just in case you're wondering during the Lent 
we are going to be doing something a little bit different, and we're going to be having a, a video interview um, with some of our church members who are going to share um, how they have wandered and wandered around and journeyed with Christ uh, along the way as we explore the life of the Apostle Peter. So I hope y'all will tune in during that time as well. Peace.